Hello, everybody, and welcome to the CX Podcast R&R with my good self, Richard Knight, and... And uh, my better self, uh, Ryan Huxtable. See what I did there? Welcome. I see what you did. I see what you did. Yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. <laughs> we've uh, So we're back warbling again on, on this next episode, and we've actually got an uh, interview with, uh, with a guest, Tom Hadley from Sufu. Um, which is a, a branding uh, consultancy or a branding, yeah, brand consultancy. Um, Tom will tell us more about it when we speak to him. Um, so we're going to spend a few moments today listening to Tom, hearing what he's got to say, and then we will be back. Or will we be back? I don't know. Will we be we'll back? Be back. We, we're we're, we're just going to be back after this little chat here. So we'll see you on the other side. Tom Hadley, I'll just go straight over to you and say, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Who are you? What do you do? And why are you on this podcast? Thank you, Rich. Well, it's it's lovely to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me on. And hello, everybody who's listening in. Um, yeah, my business is called Sufu, and um, I make people persuasive. Um, that is the fundamental <laughs> um, that uh, that I base my business around. Um, in more in more descriptive terms, uh, I work within branding, but I'm not a designer. I don't do any visual identity stuff. Mm -hmm. um, my particular focus is on applying brand to behaviour, and that's why I was particularly interested when I when I chatted to you about uh, about coming on here because I see the work that I do within branding as being extremely close to uh, an informative to customer experience mm -hmm. and I'm very keen it's probably my central mission in, in in a way is to make brands be part of our work on customer experience rather than what I feel happens a great deal which is that brand is this sort of monolithic facade <laughs> that we plonk on top of our business. Yeah. And then many businesses, and perhaps many of your, your listeners will, will, this will resonate with them, is that, you know, you have an identity created and then you think, well, other than, other than a better visual look and feel, what did it do for us? Yeah. And I think uh, what, I'd, what I'd like to explain a little bit today is how I think that can be changed because I think it requires us to look at branding from a different perspective than the one which is currently put out there by a lot of brand agencies as the way to do it yeah absolutely fantastic you know that from our point of view uh, insight six I think that fits in fantastically well um you know the, this this idea that um, brands and that identity piece is something that's created by an organization, but very rarely actually reflects what the or who the customers are or what the customers want or the experience that they actually get. Mm. You know, it, oh, I like that logo. I like the idea of my brand. Isn't it great? It's me. Yeah, but who are your customers? What, how is that going to impact the way they think? and feel about your organization mm. so that's really interesting and you mentioned that sort of behavioral piece which i'm really interested to get into a little bit more detail about because we often think about an experience and it's you know you have a review and it's yeah the brand was great i had a great experience or i didn't so i'm going to moan about it but how is that going to impact our customers behavior going forward uh, um, so, yeah, it'd be really interesting to hear a little bit more from your point of view around that behavioural piece. Getting a bit well, deep now. 
Well, no, no. I mean, this is the problem is if you talk to me, it, it ends up being a deep conversation. That's, that's <laughs> kind of, uh, uh, inherent of what I do. Well, let me give you a very quick, a very quick snapshot of what I think has happened, mm-hmm. which is that if you think about how most people uh, will recognize the approach to branding, it's one where you create values. Um, often it involves some kind of archetype of customers and it ends up with an identity. It's very much a top-down approach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's really based largely on, um, if you take it right back, it, it, it actually comes from the work that Carl Jung did, the famous um, uh, psychiatrist, psychoanalyst in the, in the 1940s, his work on the collective unconsciousness. And uh, so, you know, the, even the archetypes that are used today in branding are still the most often or variations of the ones that Jung himself um, developed. The problem that I see is that uh, this very much top-down approach is, it is too simplistic for the modern digital internet-driven age. <clears throat> and more recently, you've got the work of people like Daniel Kahneman, looking at behavioral economics. Um, I've done a lot of a lot of reading of, of all of these things, and it started to make sense to me. And, and I, I suppose I, the interesting thing is I'm 48 years old. I grew up without the internet. But the internet went mainstream just as I began my career mm-hmm. in the mid to late 90s. So I've, I, I've grown up without the internet, but I've worked my entire life with it. And I've, I've worked in digital marketing and agency land and advertising and, and performance marketing for all, all of those years. And so what I've kind of seen is how it feels to me that the, those old ways just don't work as well as they used to anymore. And that's also allied with the fact that in general, in marketing at the moment, we are incredibly performance driven mm-hmm. if you think about how most people most of your listeners out there are, are, are marketing in terms of strategy a great deal of it will be uh, logical marketing logical forms whether it's ppc or seo or, or email or whatever the tactics are mm-hmm. it's very numbers driven it's very logical and uh, i am certainly as well as as well as people like kahneman I think one of the one of the foundational things that I read a, a few years ago was uh, Rory Sutherland's book Alchemy. Mm-hmm. Rory Sutherland is the vice chairman of, of Ogilvy, and he he knows a thing or two about advertising. And um, you know, he in that in that Alchemy book, he talks a great deal about the psychological and uh, how you know how you can actually use a lot of things that can't be determined in numbers and logic and performance marketing to make enormous impacts and really. I think all of these things came together in my mind to think, my God, there's a whole nother area that anybody who's struggling with brand or struggling to get the results out of performance marketing or struggling to get this to to actually apply to the customer experience. There's a whole world to explore out there, which is very, very new. And a lot of it is kind of trapped at the academic level, I think, still. So I thought, well, do you know what? This needs this needs practitioners. (laughs) Great. This needs yeah. marketing people who yeah. understand this stuff mm-hmm. to to take it and show people how they can actually do something with it. That yeah. is that is my mission. Uh, 
excellent. It, it, it sounds fantastically in line, in tune with from that customer experience point of view um, around that emotive and the emotional connection piece. Because, you know, from our point of view, as we our listeners know, we mentioned it in, in, you know, numerous times, it, it, it is about um, an emotional connection that drives a memory. Emotion is so important because then we remember something. Was it good or was it not so good? And that affects our behavior beyond mm. that point. So therefore, if I go out, um, actually, interestingly enough, I had a great example when we were in Canada last week, seeing our son, as I mentioned to you prior to clicking the record button, um, around two different restaurants, one very highbrow um, Italian restaurant. You walked in, it was all leather sofas. It was dimmed lighting. It was, you know, very, very sort of um, high end. You would think that's what the brand was looking for. That's how it felt. And the people on the desk were, were okay. They were quite nice. You know, it was like, how can we help you? So on and so forth. But then we got to the, the server stage and it was almost like there was a bad smell under a nose. You know, mm. um, I'll, I'll bring you two bottles of water. Well, no, we only want one. Thanks. Well, you'll mm. need two for, well, no, we just want the one. Mm. So that immediately I'm recollecting that and I'm giving that recollection out. Now it may well have been quite different, but that my emotional connection to that was straight away was hang on a second. Uh, and, and that made a real difference to me. We went into another restaurant, Earl's, uh, Earl's restaurant, I think it was called um, TV screens, much louder, but the server was absolutely fantastic. Guy called Connor. Couldn't help out enough. I mean, he had a big section. He was running around all over the place. He stopped. He had a chat, a uh, bit of a laugh. You know, he, he didn't assume anything. He asked mm. us questions. And my emotional connection to that was we went away. It was lovely. We booked to go another night. Well, let's let's I'm going to pick up on that on that point because yeah. you've you've stumbled on something very interesting. And funny enough, I was thinking about restaurants the other day and uh, one of one of Daniel Kahneman's uh, famous theories is uh, something called peak end effect. <laughs> and uh, if you think about the restaurant experience, what happens in 99.9% .9 of restaurants is that you get asked multiple times, is everything okay? <laughs> and if you think about that for a minute, you just stop and consider that for one mm. moment, is everything yeah. okay? Is the totality of the situation <laughs> average? <laughs> it's a terrible thing to ask. It is, really. yeah. but we but but people do it, and we we do it out in, out of out of just pure rote, <laughs> um, you yeah. know, reflex. Mm -hmm. Whereas what Kahneman would say is, you know, there is there is always something. What you described when you just mentioned that was peak end effect. There was there mm -hmm. was something about that experience where at its most intense moment, that is what sears into your memory. Mm -hmm. So whether that's everything was lovely until the server, you know, dropped the food or until they wouldn't do what it was, you know, they, they wouldn't give me the one bottle of water I wanted. And that's mm -hmm. the thing that remains in your mind. Yeah. And, and it's those sorts of things that, that taking that sort of behavioral approach, actually, when you get into it with businesses, you can start to use... Um, you can use data and you can use, you know, all sorts of, of tools mm -hmm. for actually analyzing what are those moments and actually asking customers saying, you know, wouldn't it be great if somebody rather than just saying is everything OK throughout, if your server came to you at the end and said, 
I hope you enjoyed your meal. What was the best bit? Mm-hmm. And and that's you know it's a harder thing to to sort of gather that information. But if you put the work in, mm. somebody might the things that customers will tell you while it's fresh in their mind. And say it's a difficult one because sometimes people, you know, often in restaurants, we don't want to say. I and mean, that's the thing. In general, we're terrible with feedback at, <laughs> at restaurants. But actually, even if you just go through the reviews, the peak, the peak end effect is, is probably more apparent there. Mm. You see it in everything. You see it in restaurants. You see it in hotel reviews. Yeah. Classic. You go read any TripAdvisor review. And what yep. you'll see is people say, oh, well, it was a lovely holiday, you know, 13 hours, 14 days, lovely. But there was this one thing <laughs> where they wouldn't do where I wanted this and they wouldn't do yeah. it. And then 90% of the review is written around that one thing. That's peak yeah. end effect. That's perhaps how people's brains Absolutely. work. So yeah. the, the thing is that a lot of people think that marketing is guesswork. Mm-hmm. And it really isn't. Once you apply behavioral science, you realize there, there is there is science behind this stuff. It isn't. You don't have to guess at this stuff. Yeah. If you know how people's brains fundamentally work, mm-hmm. you can start to look for the right triggers and where there is commonality in response and what that is actually teaching you about how to change the experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so with that in mind, for, for our listeners, are there certain things, I mean, across all sectors as well, so we get everybody listening to, to yeah. the podcast, you know, it's not just the retail side of things, we often talk about it because it's one of the things that, you know, we reflect on quite a lot of the time, but even, you know, for professional services, for B2B organisations, what are the sort of things then, you know, when, when we talk marketing, you know, mm. it's like when we talk customer experience, a lot of people go, what what is it then? What actually is it? You know, apart from advertising online, doing some SEO stuff. Mm. So, from that brand psychology point of view, are there or what? What would you suggest, or are there any tips that we can we can provide to our listeners that that, that would be of use just to get them thinking? Um, I just I think it is. Um, I think it's about uh, you know I talk to clients a lot about things like the, the less less logical things not so much about you know about money and numbers and finance but about things like time mm-hmm. time is such an enormous factor that's timing in terms of speed mm-hmm. it's timing in terms of frequency um you know it, it, all of these things and so let me give you an, a, an example i mean we all know a little bit more about behavioral science than we think we do mm-hmm. for example most of your listeners will probably at some point in time, whoever they are, have thought about discounting mm-hmm. and probably time limiting an offer. Well, then there's two common uh, behavioral biases that you know about. One is loss aversion mm-hmm. and the other is scarcity effect. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, a lot of this stuff is, is buried in, in, in a hell of a lot of terminology. And, and I think we can, we can help demystify it here. So if you've done a 20% one week special offer on something then you've you've employed those biases yeah Mm. where things get interesting is thinking well how can we apply some of those sorts of things in other ways that aren't just around price and money and just as an example um, again this is kind of travel related again um have you noticed if you go on booking.com or airbnb or places like that you will get often get pop-ups on web pages that say eight people viewed this in the last hour. Yeah. Now that's a quite an overt attempt at psychological manipulation. Uh, we're all kind of getting a little bit. I think I think it's interesting. 
to actually just check ourselves as we see these things and feel about how we react and whether our reaction, if you stop and think about it, you actually go, oh, you know, (laughs) yeah, yeah, nice try. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But actually, if we're caught up in the moment of Mm -hmm. finding something compelling about this, we don't focus on that fact, but we do feel that sense of urgency of I need to go books. I need to go talk to my wife and book this now because for some reason I'm suddenly feeling a bit, a bit antsy as to whether I really, really like this and I want it and I might miss out on it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think there's all those sorts of things. I think in terms of, in terms of scarcity of things, social proof is another huge, huge area uh, which most people will know the classic example of social proof is eight out of 10 cat owners prefer whiskers. <laughs> you know, that's, well, that's not, and that's yeah. not new. That's been around for, that's been around well. forever since, since probably the eighties, but that, you know, that was a very early attempt to, at, at putting social proof into, into yeah. advertising. But nowadays with the internet, the way it is, mm. um, social proof, the possibilities of using social proof are huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and they and they also allow us to bring in lots of you know lots of other things. So um, you know, there's a thing called choice supportive bias. Oh, um, that sounds exciting. Which is which is where effectively once you get people to a point in a process where you think they are feeling positive, yeah, you ask them to reinforce that positive feeling by taking an action. Yeah, and. The, the strange thing is, is by taking the action, it actually embeds it much harder into people's brains. So yep. again, it's looking for those things. These are the things, if you look at it from behavior approach, you can mm-hmm. start to really dig into everything, people's sales and marketing processes, yep. all their operations and their actual customer processes yep. and saying, where's the opportunity and what could be inserted right there to make that point much more memorable you know, or and have much more of an impact on how people then, you know, take away the experience and how they feel about it and what they do with it afterwards. Absolutely. And it's a really interesting one, actually, an interesting point about the the internet and the importance of that, because there's, a, you know, a lot of different sectors are traditionally, you know, we need to be seen to have those reviews, eight out of 10 people prefer us, et cetera, et cetera, because we're, you know, customer facing, we're selling direct to a consumer, et cetera, et cetera. And actually, as we know from a lot of data that's around there is that that b2b focus really needs to be around that as well because i if i am thinking about in my organization going to spend some money on a supplier who's going to you know help me get even better in my organization guess what i'm going to do i'm going to look for that social proof i want to know that what you're doing is making a difference to people i'm not just going to go okay well so and so referred you so i'll use you Hmm. Um, interesting the way um, and you've probably got you know some thoughts around that as well you know the 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 younger generation are now seeing online reviews as as important as somebody saying to them oh use this person absolutely Um, yeah and and so so therefore if that's part of a full experience then people are more comfortable and have that emotional connection to say, actually, do you know what? Yeah, I I, I like this organisation. I haven't, I haven't interacted with them yet. Mm. That's a really interesting piece. It's that that distance that we we have from any organisation these days. We can sit and look at an organisation from afar for quite a while, and we're starting to make those decisions, aren't we, around 
is this the sort of organization I want to be involved in? You know, I'm a, if I'm looking for partnerships, is this the right sort of thing? I'm hearing stuff from people, but what am I seeing? What am I feeling? What is the, what does the brand say to me? So well, really- take, take an interesting, here's, here's a, just an interesting one from a, from a top level brand, from a big brand. Look at John Lewis. Mm-hmm. John Lewis had a strap line for years which was never knowingly undersold. Mm-hmm. And if you think about that line for a minute, it's very it's very large. It's never knowingly, it's very personal. It says, we, we, we will never under, never knowingly undersell to you. Yeah. Um, and they changed it fairly recently to for all life's moments. Mm-hmm. So they flipped it because it's now not about them because it's not about their moments. It's about your moments. And the the moments thing, I saw a Twitter thread the other day, which was very funny. The moments thing has been very much overdone in advertising in the last few years. If you if you stop to look, uh, if I if I if I see that in your mind now, moments, you will start seeing it everywhere. Right. Um, and um, and and it has been a bit done to death. But there's there's a reason it's been done to death, and it's to do with this idea of time. And frequency and, and getting mm-hmm. that being a very compelling thing to us these days to to not think about the totality of a brand, but think about the brand in the context of a moment. Yeah. When do I need this brand? What am I thinking about at that moment? Yeah. And that moment I make that association with that brand. Yeah. And so again, you know, all of these things should be informing how we're thinking about marketing. Um, I mean, it's, talking about moment, actually, I've got another one for you. Yeah, and this is good. This actually just happened yesterday, and it's much closer to to B two B and professional services. So I've worked in marketing for many years. I've I, I I was a client services director, and I was the I was the person who uh, presented work to clients. Now, if you think about creative agencies, so anybody uh, designers, web developers, any one of that, anybody who does any sort of creative work, the most important moment in that process is when you actually show the creative to the client for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, because in, certainly in terms, of, in terms of web development, you start off the process with a lot of planning and site maps and wireframes and all these things. And I can tell you from years of experience, clients don't really understand that stuff. They nod their head and go, yes, that looks yeah. lovely. Mm-hmm. 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 And they don't, <laughs> they don't really get it. And then when you color it in, oh, then they get it. And something really, really important happens at that crucial moment, I have found, which is either things go really, really well from there on in, mm-hmm. or you find yourself going back to the beginning of the process. Because all of a sudden, even though you've done the site mapping and the wireframing and all of that kind of process stuff, people will suddenly go, oh, well, I don't like this. And why have we got that page? And I don't think, and, you, and, and, and mm-hmm. I've been in the room a million times when people have gone, whoa, 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 hang on a minute. This is, this is site mapping stuff. We, you already signed that off. Yeah. But the point is, is that, is that that is how the client responds to the presentation of that creative mm-hmm. fundamentally impacts how their kind of confidence level about whether they want to now drive forward into that looks amazing i love it i feel you know i'm getting all the yeah. right feelings mm-hmm. let's get it built and get it done yeah. or whether they suddenly stop and take stock and all sorts of doubts and worries creep in and then they want to go backwards in the process it's very rarely is that a neutral moment yeah. 
uh, if you analyze a lot of projects. So, you know, again, that's kind of a peak end effect thing that if you think about that, that, you know, I say to agencies, how do you actually present your creative? And the reason I was thinking about it yesterday was because I'm currently working with a designer on a, on a, a web project for someone. And um, they just sent me a bunch of a bunch of JPEGs of the designs. And they're like, shall I send these over to the client? And I went, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not like that. Mm. I want these beautifully presented. I want this client, that moment of reaction to be really, really positive. And the designer sort of looked at me and was like, well, they'll get it, won't they? And I went, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this, is important. this is an important moment in the process. How we, how we handle this dictates how the rest of this goes it, and, and that you know that it's literally down to how profitable this project is going to be with us because i can tell you now if we fluff this moment mm-hmm. we're probably going to spend 10 extra hours in meetings and and talk and and all that stuff so it really you know these moments aren't just there they're not just nice to have they have real measurable impact on both you know how on the customer and also on the bottom line for for us as the suppliers i think it's a fantastic point around that you know the 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 commerciality of what we're talking about here of of that behavioral piece as soon as people saying you know oh, psychology what, what are you talking about oh, we're in business come on let's make we're here to make money but the impact is massive you know it, it, you think about buying patterns and the way people interact with you you know some people are all about the wording or all about some people are all about the visuals some people want to feel you know it's you can see it when people go into a shop you know mm. there are lots of people who pick up the product and will tactile they will feel it if you put everything behind glass and somebody's very tactile you are missing out on that emotional moment that wow piece that we talk about a lot from a customer experience point of view those wow moments when is that bit that somebody went god that is amazing that is just yeah and delighting people surprising people yeah um i'll give you if i've got time i'll give you one more example i've got a client i've got a client who are a um, essentially, they're, they're a paramedic company. Mm-hmm. They do uh, medical um, medical cover for events. So if you go to you know, Glastonbury Festival or anything, you know, you'll see effectively kind of St John's Ambulance kind of kind of organisation. And um, one of the things, one of the absolute revelations that's come out of my work with them is that most most of their competitors are basing their their brand and their marketing around the day of the event and how good they are on the day. Mm. So there's not a lot of room to really differentiate there. So I was talking to my client about other things, and and she said to me, do you know, one of the things that that doesn't get talked about enough is is what happens after the event. And I said, oh, why why is that important? And she said, well, if you run events, if you're a professional event organiser, every year you have to submit a SAG plan to the local authority for your next event. And one of the criteria upon which that plan will be judged is how good you, A, how good you were at dealing with medical stuff. But key thing, they want to know whether you are a a negative impact upon local NHS health provision. Example, if you're gonna run an event and 10,000 people are gonna turn up, are you gonna flood the local A&E Mm. a zillion people over a three-day period while your festival is on or your your car show or your you know country show yep. or whatever it is mm. 
And that's the stuff. And she said, what we do is we make sure that we capture a lot of data about the day, give it to the client after the event and help them with the SAG plan for the following year, which makes their licensing for the next year that much more easy to get. And I was just, I immediately, I was like, that's it. That's the thing. That's the thing that I've been looking for. There is something of enormous value Mm. that, you know, it can be used. I can, I can take that practical thing, that behavior. I can see the enormous value. I can work that all the way back to brand. Yeah. And effectively, you know, all of the messaging and all of the values that I can create around that are an enormous USP, an enormous differentiator. Yeah. But I would never have got there by starting from that top-down approach of uh, creating an identity. I had to go the other way. I had to dig into the detail, find a behavior that had enormously, you know, deep resonance and then work it back the other way. It's great, isn't it? It's that example of that walking again, it's it's old wording, but walking in the customer's shoes. What is it that the people that are coming to an event who are buying your your product who are using your services how are they feeling what is it that they're looking for because if we start there like with customer experience with branding then we can we can work our way back exactly as you've just said and it's Mm -hmm. as as important and detailed as what words do you use on an email from our point of view how do you ask for feedback yeah but also the the truth is and i know and i know this is this is sometimes a difficult one to hear is that we want to get feedback that people can't tell us the truth People do not say what they mean and they do not act as they tell us they will. So we've got to go beyond that. If you just sit there and go, our clients say all these nice things about mm. us, so that's all great. You can't rely on that. Yeah. If, if what they're doing says different and if what they're doing says different, then you've got to get into the, the question of what's driving that behavior and why aren't they telling us the truth? And what a fantastic place to end our discussion today. That's a great thing to throw out there. So all our listeners and viewers there, yeah, what are you doing to really get down into that? Because that can drive your brand. You can drive your experiences that your customers ultimately have as well. So that's fantastic. Tom, thank you very much for your time today. Just before we go, how can our listeners and viewers get in contact with you if they want to talk more about branding and what you can do and help out and all of that stuff how can they what's the best uh, I'm, way I'm, i am active i'm pretty active on both linkedin and twitter so it's at sufi marketing on twitter mm-hmm. um or you can look me up tom hadley uh and sufi marketing on linkedin i'm always happy to have chats with people i love i love a good one-to-one so uh yeah, yeah. and i love i just love having these sort of chats about ideas and different things fantastic it's been an absolute pleasure um and uh thank you very much for coming on and uh, we will see you again soon thanks very much thanks so much rich You know, some cracking points there that actually I'm sure a lot of our listeners are probably thinking, oh, Richard and Ryan have spoken about certain aspects of that already. And yes, indeed. Hence the reason why we had Tom on, really, just to give us a bit of, you know, bit of um, um, backup, <laughs> if you like, to, 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 to make sure that, you know, what we're saying actually does make sense from, from another point of view, from that marketing and brand point of view. So what was your, what were your sort of take homes there, Ryan, that, or you think that the, our listeners would, would uh, benefit from here and again? Yeah. You know, um, there was, there was, there was firstly, what a lovely guy and a, and a big thanks to Tom for, for giving us his time because, 
you know, often we warbly on, don't we? And it's nice to get a different perspective. And as you say, give us some backup to what we're saying um, from a, from another professional. But what I what I really took from that was the three three key things really. Um, the first one was um, that really stood out for me is is was was about making uh, the the customer experience part of your brand so you know not sitting and, and devising you know we think a brand will look great because you know this is what we think you know he talked at length didn't he about making um making the brand part of your customer experience and really living and breathing those those brand values um that's and then- that's that, that's quite a, sorry to interrupt me uh, that's that's really quite interesting just in terms of where we come from in terms of that you know the, the customer experience side of things and what is it you want your customers to say think and feel about your organization that's the th- first thing you've got to think about it's the yeah. same from the branding point of view isn't it yeah you're right and, and you know just building on that point he talked didn't he about making the the people interaction in your brand the, the, this personalized uh the, the the way your brand shows up being really personalized and you know really one-to-one with your with your customers which mm. I thought was, was really strong that was that was kind of the second thing that that came across in terms of how do you get your people to apply those those brand behaviors um and then the third thing that I thought was really interesting we talked about um how does your brand affect your customer behaviors um and that's a really I think that's a great question and probably one of the takeaways from today's podcast is, you know, how does your brand affect your your customer behaviours? You know, does it does it endear them to uh, advocate for you at that? You know, sharing what you do. Does it put them off your brand? Does it engage them to seek further assist- assistance from your brand? And um, the other thing it put me in mind of was was um, we ran something called Google CX back down here in October and. We were working with a, a branding agency, PR agency called Kyson PR, and Claire Rodway, who's the, the managing director of Kyson, talks lots about you know, the promises you make in your brand. Do they really show up in your client experience? And you know, listening to Tom there, it really resonated with me in terms of yeah, you know, this is 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 quite simple stuff. But do you know what? It's simple, but it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Because you've got to get everyone on that journey um, and your brand. So, no, great. great point. I think a great, great conversation. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. I think that everybody on your journey piece, fantastic place to leave us this week for the or for this episode. There's no point in doing any of this stuff if there's one or two people who are bought in. They really got to get buy-in from the entire organisation to really want to be able to deliver these things. And understand and know that it is going to make a difference for your customers, which at the end of the day will make a difference for your business. So that is us. Here endeth the lesson. Sounds like we've been preaching. Here endeth the lesson. Um, We'll be back um, uh, for episode 67. Blimey, there's too many of them uh, in April. So um, we will see you then. I've been Richard Knight. Ryan Huxley. And a big thanks, Tom. Remember, like, share and comment. Um, and uh, we look forward to seeing you in April.